Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. We get ready to record. I just want to throw up. This is in the can. We're talking blue chips. Let's go, baby. All right, boys. We got a bunch of theatrical stuff there. Uh, I know. I know. I know. We're clean now. The Barnburners in StreamYard. We're feeling ourselves. We have a first live episode. We figured it'd be a no better time than to talk Blue Chips, the 1994 college basketball phenomenon movie uh, starring none other than our head coach, Penny Hardaway. I got the backdoor cut crew with me right now. We've never been on In the Can together. So welcome. I'm excited to talk this movie. Um, what are some uh, big thoughts about this movie you guys have? Like right, right out of the gate, what do you feel about this movie when you watched it? I, I like the message. Uh, it's still relevant in today's day and age to some degree. I mean, just besides everything being outdated. Uh, I feel good, man. Penny is so lovable. You know, Penny and Shaq, hard not to enjoy that movie, even though it did seem to drag on forever. Yeah, it could have used like a little bit more bat like season, like the basketball season would like really didn't exist. It just like ended with that one game. <laughs> yeah. They had like one regular awesome game and then now we're done. Forget this. One regular season game is like the climax of the movie. It's like it's not even the it's not even the tournament, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I loved all the cameos though throughout from Jim Beheim to Rick Bettino, just Man. calmly uh being nice to the referees, which is so funny. Like <laughs> knowing what we know about Rick Bettino now. Uh, just every time someone else popped up, uh, Larry Bird and French Lick, French Lick Indiana. <laughs> oh, it was good. It was, it was nostalgic. The, let's, let's do a quick plot summary. So the year is 1994. Pete Bell is a college basketball coach. He's under a lot of pressure. His team isn't winning, and he can't attract new players. The stars of the future are being paid by boosters in this, in this sordid world of college basketball. But the practice is forbidden, forbidden in the college game. Pete's desperate from uh, all the pressures all around, so he, he – Dives into that money bucket. Um, so, what, what are you? Where do you rank this movie in your sports movie hall of fame? I know you each kind of have one, uh, and and also give me kind of one of your favorite sports movies. So for me, it's probably like I don't I don't know if I've sat down and like assembled a hall of fame, especially not by sport. But for me, it's definitely one. So this is the second time I literally just got through watching it. I watched it earlier this summer after I read uh, Raw Recruits, so it's like literally the exact same thing happening as in the, that book, same time frame and everything. Uh, and with all this stuff going on in California and all the other states, it's really, like Mason said, it's like relevant, totally relevant again, has been for like the past 30 years. Um, so it's it's kind of drags on, but it is a good movie. I like, I, I really enjoyed it, uh, especially like getting to see Shaq and Penny in there is just like pretty fun to see them. Uh, and for me, one of my favorite sports movies is The Rookie uh, with uh, Dennis Quaid, where he comes back and, like, throws 98 miles an hour out of nowhere. Like, yeah, is he, like, even... 40? 
Yeah, he's been yeah. like kicked out or like hadn't made it in the majors for however long and then just like makes a big comeback. For whatever reason, I really enjoy that movie. I think uh, one scene from that movie that sticks out to me is when he's uh, coaching the high school team and then like they win the state or whatever and the guy gives him the ball back. He's like, it's your turn, coach. And they all like give him a high five. He's like, it's your turn, coach. Because he'd made a deal that he like try out for uh, – whatever the the MLB team is that's uh, got like spring training tryouts near them. Yeah. Sounds like we need to do a rookie podcast. Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dennis Quaid is like believable as a baseball player, which I think is really important when it comes to a sports movie is that you can like buy into the actor or, uh, or whatever that's, that's playing the part or the sport. What about you, Mason? What do you, who do you like? Sports wise I mean, movie. I, I, Blue Chips to me is like if there was a sports movie Hall of Fame, it would be waiting a, a long time to get in. You know, like, I, it it would not get a lot of votes. It wouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And it's like I put this movie around like the Angels in the Outfield category, somewhere Ooh. around there. Um, but I mean, some classics. Remember the Titans, uh, White Man Can't Jump, Coach Carter. You got Moneyball, Forty Two. All the boxing movies. I mean, there's tons of good sports movies out there. Um, most of, a lot of them do seem to involve baseball, uh, the Sandlot. But as far as basketball goes, Coach Carter and a Space Jam are at the tops for me. So I'm looking forward to this Space Jam too, as well. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I like. I mean, I like this movie a lot. But um, I, again, I don't think it's like a, a Hall of Fame movie. I don't think it's like it's it's like not super well reviewed. And made some decent money. You say White Man Can't Jump. The guy that wrote and directed White Man Can't Jump actually wrote this movie. Um, Ron Shelton's his name. So he kind of wrote like a bunch of those sports movies from the 80s and, and going into the 90s. He wrote Bull Durham, too, and won an Oscar right. for that. So he was kind of the go-to guy to, to write a sports movie. He actually played college basketball as well. So college basketball was kind of his, like, this was his opus, man. Like, this is the first script he wrote. And then he could never get it made because everyone didn't want anyone to know how dirty college basketball was. Um, so it's weird though, this movie isn't that good because it has like an all-star kind of like, like setup around it. You have him writing it, you know, as an Oscar winning director or writer, you have William Freakin, uh, who directed the exorcist French connection, like the seventies hall of fame, Oscar caliber movies. He's one of the most renowned directors. Dude, like Spielberg. Let, let me stop you right there. Did you see where Shaq said the exorcist was his and his mom's yeah. favorite movie? Yeah. Dude, that was, uh, he was like, he was like, Oh, you're Billy Friedkin. It's like, dude, you didn't know who he was before you like, walked on set. Yeah. Like, what? So we read the oral history. Uh, Slim and I read the oral history on, on uh, the sports illustrated for blue chips and, and, Shaq basically said that he was a big Billy Freakin fan. And I just imagine Shaq like watching like the French connection, like in his house. <laughs> like, and <laughs> I just can't fathom that. Um, but so I just, you know, the sum of all the parts you put like talented people behind a movie usually end up with something that kind of is a lot better, I think. And, and it, so it doesn't really make sense to me, you know, why William Freakin really wanted to direct this. Apparently he's a big basketball fan, but it's like a pretty left turn. It'd be like if Spielberg directed like Space Jam 2. I mean, it's that big of a kind of name, like, and it's it's just strange to me that he became a part of it. Uh, what were some other interesting things you noticed about kind of the background of the film? I noticed that Friedkin was good friends with Red Auerbach, who mm. introduced him to Bobby Knight, and that's how they got Bobby Knight in the movie. And uh, Coach Pete Bill, who what, what's the actor's name that played him? Nick Nolte. Nick, Nick Nolte. Yeah. yeah. He shadowed Bobby Knight for like two weeks to get into that character, and that's who he was emulating, even though he was coaching at a school that was Western University that was emulating UCLA. Yeah, no doubt UCLA. Same color scheme. <laughs> it's in LA. It's like like 
I mean, it's almost unbelievable how blatant it is. But uh, what kind of a ma- like dolphin? The dolphins? Yeah, I mean, it's like a, it's a maritime mascot, you know. But yeah, no, I agree. The dolphin like running around in the suit. I was like laughing. I was like, you. You're, I just imagine him in the kids' living room, be like, "You're gonna be a dolphin," and it's like, I don't know about that. You know? I, I thought it was funny that Nolte is or Coach uh, Coach Bell is so much more Bobby Knight than Bobby Knight is. Like, yeah, toward, yeah. Like Bobby Knight's just like chill, just like very normal conversation, talking crap to the refs. But then like Bell's like kicking the basketball into the stands and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. Is that like, I mean, Bobby Knight's known for those moments, but you know, he coached for like 20 years, and so he has like three incidents over those years. But for the most part, he was actually like very calm, very calculating. You know, he was very focused on his coaching in game that he wasn't like, I mean, he has these horror stories, but yeah, that like Nick Nolte just fucking dials it up, bro. Like, yeah. He is like, he is like going ham at every scene. He throws the water cooler. And I mean, I, I you know, I, I get it. I get the whole point of it. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's drama. It has to be entertaining, but it was, he was, he was doing a lot. I feel like. When he punted that basketball, it took me back to a high school basketball practice I had where my coach, shout out to Hal Merle, uh, he, was, he was fed up with the effort we were giving, and he took a ball and he punted it to the top of our gym, and we were all amazed. But now I know he was just copying Coach Pete Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and I had never seen the movie before. And like, so when I saw that, I immediately thought, like, damn, that's a Hal Merrill movie. <laughs> yeah, you got to call his ass out, man. That, uh, like, apparently that just, like, completely took over the coaching world. Like, just how, when Remember the Titans came out, everyone started emulating Denzel. Like, all the football coaches started doing that, that whole bit. And, you know, the same thing for this. Like, the second this came out, everyone was like, all right, I got to be more theatrical. I've got to yell. But he's a good guy. He's, he, he cares that his players aren't passing TV, man. He, he, he cares about them <laughs> knocking chicks up on campus. He's a good guy, Coach Bell. And let me Get on those prophylactics. <laughs> Even better is our freshman coach tried to emulate Coach Merle, and he, instead of getting a good pun on it, he shanked one into the ball rack and it knocked all the other balls out. Oh, over. shit. <laughs> you got to retire at that point. You got to transfer to a different school, I feel like. It's my boy, Coach Witt. He's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's like dive into this team, man. So we got you know these three frat fab fab freshmen uh, coming in that, that Coach Bell has to recruit, played by real life basketball players. Of course, William Freakin said that he watches a ton of sports movies. He feels like they're never realistic. Feels like the basketball never feels like real basketball. So his notion was let's cast real players, let's let them play the game, let's not script out individual plays. We script out the result of the games, but we let them just sort of hoop and then we record it, like we shoot it set up five cameras and just shoot the whole thing. So first off, we got uh, Penny Hardaway, our boy, the head coach of the University of Memphis, as the 6'7 do-it-all guard, Butch McRae from Chicago. He doesn't know how to play the motion offense. I mean, what's this <laughs> – like what – everyone's playing the motion offense at that point. But he's a he's a 1-4 guy. He likes to get in and be able to dish it. That's, <laughs> a, that's our boy Butch's uh, style. What, what do we think about Penny as Butch right off the bat? I mean, he's a hooping. Yeah. They all show up at that Cracker Box gym. All the like fancy coaches are on the upper deck on like the walking track, and they're all hanging out, just talking to each other. Oh my gosh, wait, suits. Tarkanian, uh, the, the famed coach of UNLV, is up there, and he yeah. says, "I don't think we could get him in academically." Yeah. It's just like the biggest LOL of all time, based on it's like this is the best revisionist history. Is this movie to like look back? These fucks were cheating their asses off. Dude, like, Bill, Bill Self would definitely be in the remake of Blue Chip. Oh my God! Yeah, he'd, he'd be like, "That's, a, ooh, that's a good Adidas one. doesn't have any money." That's what he'd say. Like, and I, I think um, Pete Bell's wearing Adidas shoes at the very beginning. I think there's a little flash there. 
I think and, he's wearing Reeboks his, too. He's wearing Reeboks. Was it Reebok? Yeah. I thought it was Adidas at one point. When he's, was... coaching, when he's coaching him up on the, the finer points of setting screens, he's, uh, mm-hmm. he's got Reeboks on. Yeah. Dang, they sure fell off the map. No kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. Penny, we think Penny was good, bad. We, we, do we believe him as, as Butch McCray? Uh, he was lovable, you know. I, I saw in that oral history that Friedman said that he thought he was the most natural actor he'd ever came across. Uh, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give him that much credit. He yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> but Tom his, Hanks, <laughs> Penny Hardaway. <laughs> his, his lines were limited, and you know he he was fine for the role. I don't think he he was great. His acting career obviously didn't take off except for the commercials. So he did have some type of talent for for the entertainment industry. Yeah, like his biggest scene is him coming in and saying like, "Hey, if I I'm homesick, if I go home, is my mom gonna lose her house and job?" Yeah, and that's like all he said. I feel like in the whole movie almost. But it was yeah. like, "Come on, Penny, you know the answer to that." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to just set up the excess drama there and like kind of get some stuff going between the coach and him. Yeah, I mean he he was fine. Like I I always question. Like it's one of the things. Of, am I going to be embarrassed for him? I wondered that before I watched it, but no, he was fine. He wasn't like embarrassingly bad or anything. Yeah, not at um, all. Like I believed it for sure. I just seemed kind of like a kind of like playing himself, really, just a, a quieter star who probably doesn't know how good he is. Like I think I, that kind of like mimicked his his real life persona a little bit. Yeah, and he's um, like a seventeen year old kid playing a seventeen year old kid. So like right. in that situation, that's like much bigger than that kid who's you know been a high school athlete. It seems pretty believable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was just coming into the NBA. It was 93. Like, that was before he and Shaq even got teamed up. So, can you imagine, like, just being done at University of Memphis or Memphis State University and then just, like, just starring in a movie and joining Shaq? That's what a life. I think so. I watched, uh, I believe it's One Shining. No, no, no. Sorry. Uh, One Magic Moment, the ESPN 30 for 30 with Shaq and Penny. I think that's the title of it. Mm-hmm. But they talk about how like that was their first real interaction was the filming of this movie. Yep. And so that played a really big part in uh, the Magic making that trade to get Penny on draft night. Yeah, there's a bunch of history about that. And, and Magic officials dispute that. Uh, they're like, well, I don't really remember that happening, but uh, whatever. And it kind of comes like the legacy of this movie, like kind of the lore uh, of it. But um all right, so we'll talk more about that later too. But moving on to Shaq uh, playing the seven-one center big man, Neon Badeau, former Army JUCO player, grew eight inches over one summer, uh, which is uh, pretty pretty interesting. Uh, we first meet Neon dunking on a bunch of random extras on a nine and a half foot rim um, and just yelling. Uh, for and I, I'm I'm all about that scene when they walk in and they do like that. The, uh, this is how good this guy is. Let me give you like seven plays where he's just dunking like over a guy that's like six foot. Uh, but I was in, man. At this point, I'm in on Neon. What do we think about Shaq as Neon and kind of his performance? I, I think we kind of get the beginning of what we know to be Shaq here, right? Oh, man, I think he's goofy. Yeah. Personally, I, I think uh, <laughs> the goofiest scene being the one where he's in the classroom and he like stops the professor cold and just like starts talking and then like goes and he's just joking around and then goes and sits back down in his seat. And he's like, Oh, I got to talk to my coach about this class, but just like makes a scene for no reason, but just a big goofball feel like. Yeah. This shit, this class culturally biased. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like African-American literature. He's like, no, it's English literature. <laughs> Did you not choose your classes? It's like, Oh, I got to talk really. to my coach. <laughs> talk to my coach. Oh yeah. I, I enjoyed the scene when, 
Coach Bell was recruiting Neon, and they're like walking through his hood, and Shaq's talking about the SATs are culturally biased, and uh, and then he asked him if I couldn't play basketball, would you still be trying to get me into college? And, and Coach Pete Bell had to keep it real with him. He said, "No." Yeah. Neon said, "At least you're honest." <laughs> I feel like you know that conversation. I mean that has to happen so much like and you wonder what coaches would say you wonder how many would just talk out of their ass at that point or who would be real but uh, but yeah I agree there was there was some commentary on college basketball and kind of like the profiting on these kids likenesses and um the booster you know who's our villain happy uh he <laughs> kind of has some good points man you know every now and then yeah. you're kind of like okay like I I see what you're saying like we he says we owe these kids at one point and I mean I know he's doing it the wrong way but um, you can't necessarily argue that message, especially with the things going on right now. Yeah, I mean, he said the same thing you hear on Gary Parish every uh, afternoon. Say, yeah. yeah, athletes generate millions of dollars and get nothing in return. So happy with speaking the truth. Maybe he's uh, out in California now pushing this bill through. I mean, I, I, I'm just not. I'm not exactly sure that it could be Gary Parish played happy, and we just don't really, <laughs> under under a pseudonym. Because uh, they kind of have the same like gray spiky hair. So, um, so I don't know. Are we in agreement that Shaq was good throughout this movie? Do y'all think he was good? He's Shaq, man. Like, he, you know what you're going to get. Like, he's going to be a little goofy. Like, he's going to, like, kind of, like, I mean, they, they play him like a, like a dumb, like, super athlete, but really smarter than he appears. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, he was fine. Like, I, I, he didn't really have to do any dramatic scenes. I will say that, you know, that, that, that one scene uh, when he's talking about Coach Bell's talking to his ex-wife and they're out there. Um, you know, he has that scene where like he, uh, he apparently like when they, they went to him with the script, uh, freaking and the writer went to Shaq with the script. Uh, he said, I want to do this movie. Shaq did. And then the agent stepped in and said, we got some problems. He can't say bitch and his character can't take money. Uh, and Shaq interrupted and said, no, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the movie. I'm going to say bitch. And I did take that money. <laughs> 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 so like he, he basically outed, uh, LSU. <laughs> Like, like in uh, to his agent in in front of Friedkin and the writer, uh, but I did I, that was kind of a jarring scene when he he calls, you know. His yeah, I, I was like, I was a little. I, I feel like it's unnecessary. Yeah, like how was she just cool with being called that right there? I don't know. I, I know, like they act so cool about it. Maybe that might just be my like 2019 brain. Yeah, like, I, but it, it was I, I, it was jarring to me when I saw it. I think maybe they had gotten to know each other through like the study sessions, and she knew he was joking. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I believe that. I don't think, I don't think he was being malicious. Just like my 2019 years were like, whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think my favorite Shaq scene in the movie is um, after after the game versus Indiana, after Coach Pete goes in there and he tells everyone that like basically, you know, we cheated. I'm gonna quit. And then he walks out, and then Shaq is stopping him on uh, Pete's way to the press conference. He steps out in the hallway, like one hand on the door frame, and he's like, "Hey, Coach." And he's like, yeah. He's like, how was my spin move? <laughs> like, you're having this super, you're like in between super dramatic moments, and then Shaq yeah. does that, and you just yeah. have to like laugh. shout out the editor there. I feel like the editor probably needs to, you know, move that scene around. I think kind of undercut the dramatic moment there. But uh, Ricky Rowe, um, our six eight power forward, can shoot that hoe. From, from, and looking for some, and looking for <laughs> and resident horn dog man, played by Matt Nover. From does anyone know where Matt Nover played college ball? Indiana. Yeah, I looked it up. He <laughs> <laughs> was a center on Bobby Knight's uh, Indiana team, All American, uh, and then I believe a Final Four player on a starter on an Indiana team. 
tough, tough hang for Matt Nover to be the one of the three guys who is not a, like a freaking all NBA player. Uh, now you look back in this movie, um, but it's funny. They just had to get the standard white guy that could shoot it. I feel like the Larry Bird archetype and they the literally make, guy, they yeah. literally make him a Larry Bird archetype from, you know, French Lick. They had Bird basically introduce him, which they paid Larry Bird probably like a million dollars to show up for one day on set and just wear like a sleeveless white T-shirt. And <laughs> like, and did you all notice like there was, they were, he was like, hey, you know, you know, uh, you know, Ricky and, and Bird's like, yeah, I know Ricky. And he's like, broke all my records, damn it. And then he's like, well, can you get him on the can you get a hold of him for me? He's like, yeah, we'll do that right now. And then it seems like they're going to go together to, to Ricky. But then like it just ends up being Coach Bell going. Yeah, Bird was on set for one day, and he's like, "Fuck this shit, I'm getting out of here." <laughs> um, what uh, do we think? What do we think about Nover? What do we think about Ricky? And uh, and just give me some thoughts on the Horn Dog out of French Lick. So Nover did have a, a decent career overseas, about a ten year career. Mm. He ended up becoming a citizen of Portugal. He <laughs> played on the 03 and 05 teams that tried to qualify for the FIBA World Cup. I don't think they ever did, but now he's a regional sales manager back in Indiana. <laughs> I saw that. Really? Like LinkedIn Woo! or something? It, it popped up when you, when you type in his name. So, <laughs> um, But I thought he was, he was good for the role. Uh, they said that they didn't want a real actor because they were playing so much basketball, but they needed someone that had that farm boy look, and he just happened to have it, and Bobby Knight supposedly pushed for some of his players to be in the movie. So that gave him the nod. Uh, he was fine. You know, <laughs> when he asked for the money, that was awkward. <laughs> yeah, it was. And then, and then Bell gets super pissed and throws his ass out. <laughs> yeah. Bell like berates Ricky twice and Ricky just acts like nothing ever happened. Like okay. after that, but yeah. Um, have, my daddy have, wants a tractor. <laughs> I, I think that used to happen to the white player. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you were like the, the one guy, like, some that used to happen to me sometimes. <laughs> I, you're just gonna get yelled at. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of actors uh, contacted Friedkin about playing Ricky Rowe, uh, including the none other than Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> Said his game wasn't ready. His game wasn't ready. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Friedkin says like, "Yo, we got Shaq and Penny. So like, can you play at that level?" And Wahlberg's like, "Nah." <laughs> He's like, I'll, "I'll like show up in the in the stands as an extra one day, but no, I can't play that well." Um, he, and Freakin said this quote, I wasn't interested in any of these guys winning Academy Awards. I was interested in authentic, authenticity of play. And in that, I feel like he probably succeeded. Dude, they had some hoopers out there. Uh, yeah. Keith Smart, the former Grizz assistant coach and uh, from Indiana, who I believe hit the game-winning shot in the NCAA championship game way back when. Uh, Calvin Chaney, who was NCAA player of the year. They had a bunch of hoopers. Uh, Bobby Hurley, he, he was on yeah. one of the teams. Yeah. Yeah, I got some. I got some great uh, Bobby Hurley, uh, Bobby Knight uh, trivia that I got from that old history. If we want to, we want to get into that right now. Or, or I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on the the three freshmen. I think there's. It's always a good time to get into Bobby Hurley and Bobby Knight trivia. Good, good. Uh, so Bobby Knight, um, they uh, they had him on set to film the climactic, you know, game versus the number one seed Indiana. Uh, he refused makeup entirely. Um, he, he, they tried to write some dialogue for him. He said, fuck that. I'm not reading lines. Uh, and then he, he, he coached, they like essentially rolled the kids out there and let him play a game. Uh, didn't script anything except for the last play. And that, that, that there has to be, a, obviously the Western has to win. Uh, and Bobby Knight coached the game to win. Uh, he, he would not stop coaching. Uh, he was like ahead most of the game. And every time the director would come over and be like, Bob, man, like you got to get down. You, like, cause you, the, ultimately Western has to win the game. And he was like, 
no, I'm not doing that. He's like, he said he got the, he said the, all the players, it was just like a ragtag group of players assembled the, a fake Indiana team, including Bobby Hurley, who was, of course, a famous Duke point guard. Uh, he got him in the huddle and said, let me tell you something, boys. We've got 24 seconds left to play, and fate's got us up by three. We sure as hell aren't going to lose to a bunch of derogatory term from Hollywood now. <laughs> it's like the most amazing thing ever that Bobby Knight's so competitive that he's coaching a fake fucking basketball game for a movie. And won't lose on purpose. Even that's what the script says, which is like unbelievably good Bobby Knight right there. And like supposedly he had had a bad day playing golf and he, <laughs> yeah. and, he and Friedkin got into it. So this was his way of getting back at him was by beating the Western University team. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they said on the last play, the lob to Shaq, which to me is probably the worst basketball scene in the in the whole show or in the whole movie like at that play you could tell it's scripted but before that time when the dunk dunk um happened bobby knight stopped the lob like he had he had his defender bump shack and not allow him to run to the rim for the lob (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's what you do in real life right there's no way you like let shack catch an alley-oop to win a a basketball game like that what a what a pass from penny from like you know three quarters court over his head (laughs) right right uh, another good Bobby Knight story, Ed O'Neill, uh, the guy who played Ed, the reporter, who was, of course, famous for Married with Children at that point, and now is on, um, oh, what's that show? That show on USA? Uh, it's a sitcom. Anyway, he's on. He's another yeah. dad on a sitcom. Great. It has, like, a multi-generational family. Uh, so, anyway, he's he's at, at the bottom one family. Now. Modern, <laughs> modern family, yeah. Modern, modern family. <laughs> multi-generational family. <laughs> 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 uh so one of uh he, he was my favorite secondary character yeah and he's kind of the like the gumshoe reporter detective who's gonna break the big you know scandal um so he's at the bar and not one of knight's assistants comes over and says hey you want to meet coach knight uh and then ed o'neill says yeah sure i'll i'll, uh, I'll go over there and said he was really sunburned because he'd been playing golf all day uh and one of the assistants said something like coach knight has forgotten more about basketball than most guys will ever know so this guy, Ed O'Neill, this actor, said, I'd had a few drinks. And I said, how smart could he be? He had Larry Bird and let him go. And then the room just went entirely silent. And Bob Knight like, set his drink down and looked over at him and said, yeah, how smart could I be? And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they have a good relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Dick Vitale in the climax, he jumped on Knight's back, apparently, to bear hug him in between takes. And Knight hit him with an elbow and knocked his old ass to the floor. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> his old ass even back to 94. Yeah, dude, it's still so old. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, like he, he did not look young in no, the movie. He did not. I was like, oh, this is young Bobby Nice, literally like 25 years ago, and he like still looks like he's 70-something. Um, but And then uh, an, another good Ed O'Neill story said that he liked Duke guard Bobby Hurley. Uh, apparently, He said, I'll tell you a funny thing about that fucker. Uh, we were all so jealous of him. Every night of the week, he was with another girl who was better looking than the night before. So I love mm-hmm. I love Bobby Hurley taking advantage of being on the West Coast for a little bit and just taking care of some business on his personal side. A real life Ricky Rowe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about a Penny's mom asking for a house and a new job? Yeah, I don't yeah. know like what the standard is in terms of the under the table dealing, but that's pretty ballsy. I mean, she had a nice office, you know, mm-hmm. a big name plate, wooden desk. She had a house with a yard. Moved out of the project, so the McCray has definitely got to come up. No doubt. Uh, and, and, and obviously, we know at the end of the movie, after they beat number one Indiana, that uh, Shaq and Penny or Butch and uh, Neon go to the NBA. They, they drop out of school and go straight to the NBA. And, uh, and so they're, they're, I think everything turns out okay for them. So the moral of the story is kind of a, a weird combo moral. You know, it's like 
the kids were okay, but then the coach like essentially outs himself. I do feel like this movie would be a lot better if like we didn't know so much about scandals. You know, apparently when this came out, no one had any idea about any of this stuff. Like, right. it, it, like it was just starting to, you know, like the Tarkanian stuff was just starting to unravel, but it would be way better, I think. But now it's like, well, duh, you know, you Everyone, watch this and yeah, it's yeah, like you're super just like, commonplace. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's weird if you're not cheating and it's just how good, how good can you cheat? Uh, how good can you get, how efficiently and secretly can you get the money to the players to where it can't be traced back to you? Um, but I think it would have been a lot better. Like if you seen it in its context of 94, mm-hmm. Shout out to Jim Bayham who made an appearance. Yeah. <laughs> Did Rick Patino like yeah, being like all calm and st- coaching <laughs> Tex Western. Like, yeah, and he he's like I feel like he that was young Patino though. He was like kind of like sleezing on the refs. He was like, Good call, good call, good call. <laughs> That's why uh, you're a good referee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh all right, well, let's get into some categories. Um, let's start with uh, who gets the most buckets in this movie, which is our category for Best actor. Now it's even more applicable considering we're talking a basketball movie. Uh, so who do y'all like for best actor? Zach, who you got? I have to go with Nick Nolte uh, as the coach, P. Bell. I think that he really – he's a centerpiece of the whole movie. His mm. conscience kind of guides you through the whole movie. Uh, starts with him realizing that, yeah, he, he's definitely a, a great coach, but everyone else is paying off players, so he cannot compete with people. And then just kind of seeing that moral dilemma of him uh, – kind of going over to the dark side, I guess, getting with the boosters and then just kind of realizing that's not how he wants to live his life. And some of his tirades are pretty good, I thought. Very Bobby Knight-esque. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's probably the easiest one. And that's kind of, that's the most, uh, he created the most memorable scenes. He's in all of them. Yeah. Who you got, Mason? Well, yeah, I mean, Nick Nolte, but for the sake of this discussion, I'll go with Shaq, man. He, I think he, he did well with his scenes. Um, he brought light to some issues that seemed to be important to him at the time uh, with, you know, people not caring about um, people from the hood and just like how the SATs were culturally biased and arguments that you still hear talked about to this day. Um, so I'll go with Shaq for being a young guy shedding light on some issues and uh, setting the stage for his acting career. I, b- I believe this was pre-Kazam. Yeah, it was right before, right before the uh, the genie classic that is Kazam. And this was much better than Kazam. So yeah, no, you got to sure. give, give Shaq full credit in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. In Kazam, I got. Uh, I really liked Anthony C. Hall's Tony, uh, the, the senior, <laughs> the senior point guard. Uh, kind of the leader of the team on that on that losing the losing record squad from the year before the year that we're you know that we see him recruit the All Stars, uh, failing TV. Sorry to hear that. Didn't knock up his girlfriend. That's good. Uh, but I think the scene you know where where Bell goes in uh, to the to the dorms after he figures out that tone that you know one of his players was shaving points, uh, and which was a big deal in the '90s. Like that was like when all that shit started, uh, and apparently it was like a the NCAA had a hell of a time you know getting to the root of it and stopping it. Uh, but so he goes to Tony's dorm and Tony admits it. And that is a kind of emotional scene between like uh, Pete Bell, Coach Bell, who we are led to believe is kind of like a father figure for, for Tony in particular, but a lot of his players. Uh, and then Tony kind of gives like a good performance in that scene that's believable. Apparently, William Freakin had to literally slap him in the face. Uh, yeah, what he wouldn't. So this is like, so I know you guys aren't big like movie guys, but so Billy Freakin, this is like his shit. Like he, he, this was his, like he was like considered a tyrant. But he just got great performances out of people because he put them in like real emotional states and then have like shoot the scenes. 
And, and you know, he mentions in the oral history, like, no way in hell would this happen today. Like, I'd be fired in like two seconds. But in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know, when you're making a movie, you need someone to be emotional and slap them around between takes Ooh. and get that emotion you need. Uh, and apparently, uh, Anthony C. Hall, the actor that plays Tony and him, are friends today. Uh, and then Tony, <laughs> in the long run, Anthony appreciates it. You know, and what he, I got, got, he got the scene. Right. He got the take we saw in the movie, which was what he wanted. And, and you know, I, you can question his methods, but, but I did like Tony. I, I think he kind of added some gravitas to the, he was another player that wasn't one of these freshman phenoms yeah. that we got to see and kind of anchored us to the team. You know, we needed to have an anchor to the team that was there from the previous team. So he satisfied that. Cause there's not really a, any other guys on that team that you like walk away right. remembering their names. I don't think. Right. Uh, cool. So let's move into our second category, which is six man or woman award makes the most out of their role with limited screen time. Uh, so who, who you got for, for six man or six woman mace? I got to give this to Penny. Uh, I thought he did good in his limited screen time. As we already talked about, he had his one scene that was kind of heartfelt. You're like, Oh, come on, coach bell. Just let him go home and let his mom keep all this, this amazing new life that you gave him. Right. Um, so I thought Penny did good. I I, I got to go with him. Uh, but a special nod to the booster, the sleazy dude. All yeah. Happy? Yeah, happy's good. Uh, I think for me, I'm going to go with Jenny Bell, played by Mary McDonald. Uh, she, wasn't a, she had a pretty fair amount of screen time, but I think she was a pivotal character in the movie because she was pretty much Pete's emotional support the entire time, even though they're divorced. Uh, he's really like – or she's like the one person that he really – cares about what's up harp yeah harpy's joined the podcast now and uh like the way that her interactions with like tutoring and when the the classroom scene with her kids and where she decides to tutor uh shack neon that's pretty good too how about when she acted like shack had never been around kids before and she's oh, like yeah. please don't, don't step on the children <laughs> like he's a fucking elephant <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks at her like Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're like climbing like, all over him and everything. They make him like a lumbering giant. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, so I, I like her too. I, one thing I found weird was like, what, what's what's her skin in this game? Like, she's divorced from him. And like, and she, she like, oh, we get it. She like understands basketball. You know, like she was like pressure the guards and like comes up with all these things that he did wrong in, in game coaching. But like, I just don't understand what her motivation is in terms of like at all helping him. Like, did, did we know why they're not together? It's just his. I think. I think we're supposed to believe that he was too, like focused too, too much on coaching with basketball. Yeah. yeah, and like she's in the press conference at the end. And yeah, she's always sitting like second row still. Like she's definitely like deeply embedded in the program, even though they're some they're not married. Yeah, I just didn't buy that. Like what? Why she would still be around? But uh, yeah, he but still no, I mean, the house after the game. Yeah. Had game tapes there that were obviously recent game tapes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Uh, well, who'd I, you have, Sam? Um, yeah, I, I questioned this. I, I really uh, – I, I was going to pick her, actually, so I, I'm glad you did. Um, but, hmm. <laughs> you stole mine, bro. Uh-oh. Right. <laughs> oh, dude, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to Bob Cousy. Uh, as the athletic director, who like for like a oh, bunch yeah, of he, he was crazy yeah. Bob Cousyisms. Um, first of all, he like, goes in there while he's taking a shower and just sits outside the shower and's like, "Well, we'll get him next year." And it's like, what what AD does that? <laughs> like when you go like, there's no way. First of all, you're gonna like if you have a losing if like you have a losing year if you're in a big time program like that. The AD is not gonna be anything but like pissed. 
I mean, even if you're like Pete Bell, who has two titles and eight conference championships or whatever. Uh, so I thought that was funny. And then, of course, the free throw shooting scene where they're like, they have the classic, like, let's talk about our lives while we're like, I'm dishing the ball to you. And, and he just aces like uh, free throws and he won't miss. Oh, yeah. Because uh, yeah. it's Bob Cousy. And, Both hands. Yeah. And like, he has like his awesome, like, 50s era jump shot. Um, and he apparently, like, Nick Nolte, like, ad libbed that line where he's like, uh, what do you ever miss? And so they kind of, you know, because that wasn't in the script. It, was, it wasn't in the script that he was going to make like a million straight. Uh, so I, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm fired up about Koozie. Yeah, and how he like knew everything that was going on, but totally like acted like he didn't. Or he's like, I don't know nothing. I don't know anything. I don't want to hear about the football team. But he yeah. was just like totally trying to play ignorant, but definitely knew. Right. I mean, oh, which yeah. I, you oh, have yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to think like that's the the case with a lot of ads. But don't know. ask, don't tell policy. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did Got anyone f- not shine in their role? Hmm. I, I, I thought I thought the uh, I didn't like the assistants. I I would I, I, I'd like to see more out of them. You know, I think that those I don't know they have a lot of lines and have a lot of parts, but they were just kind of like background players. And I think that those they could have done more with the scenes where it's the coach and his his trusted assistants. You know, in in the film rooms, and and those could be the guys that are kind of the devils or you know demons on his shoulder or devils or angels on his shoulder. You know what I mean? But they were just kind of like guys. Yeah, yeah, they I, didn't work hard enough. That's probably why they had a losing season. Those guys yeah. weren't working hard. Yeah, enough. Coach Bell's like, "Yo, we got to get out there and get these kids." And it's like <laughs> he's like, "We can't expect them to just come to us anymore." And I'm like, "Damn, was it ever?" For if you're like Indiana or UCLA, I mean, you just these kids just come to you, and maybe you got a Saul Smith and Pooh Williamson on staff. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> dude, <laughs> throwing rocks, throwing rocks at a. At a <laughs> oh man, <laughs> fire Tubbies, man. Um, all right, so let's move on to this category. ISO play is our, is our category for single greatest scene. Uh, what was a, a scene that jumped out to y'all that you just like really appreciated, um, either the acting or you know the the way it was shot, or just you were kind of like memorable. To me, uh, I really one that I really enjoyed was like after. So it starts with Pete going over to Happy's house. And basically being like, all right, I submit myself to you. You're going to like, you got to take care of this for me because I know I need these players or my career's toast. I don't want to know the details. You take care of everything. Of course, Happy's gloating, uh, going on and on about friends of the program. And then uh, you just start to see like all the guys getting their payoffs. Shaq gets like his new Lexus given to him uh, by some like random guy with the handlebar mustache. Uh, Butch's mom gets her house and job. And um, Ricky Rose tractor just shows up at his dad's place. Mm, like yeah. that, that whole like sequence was like was a real big turning point. And that thirty thousand in cash. And that thirty in the duffel in the bag. Duffel bag. Yeah. In the duffel bag. Exactly. He got how I the bag. <laughs> yeah, literally. And you felt good, didn't you? You didn't feel like any rules were being broken. <laughs> yeah, they did a good job setting him up as like begrudgingly doing it. You know, like he was like, uh, okay, like. And then, and so you're like, and you know, it's helping these, it's these kids and these families that, you know, you get, they get to do a good job flashing around and showing you what the, the situation these families are in. So you're like, oh, yeah. this is, this is helpful. Like I'm a human being and they're human beings. And like, you know, this doesn't seem so bad. So they did a really good job with that. I thought, um, kind of setting you up there. What, what'd you like, Mace? What, what scene did you like the most? Yeah. I didn't even think about that scene, Zach, but that was a, a really good one. Now that I look back at it. Uh, my favorite, I think, was the opening the opening scene when 
Coach uh, Bell is just going on his tirade on the team. Yeah. And he like leaves and comes back <laughs> in. I'm sick of basketball. Today. <laughs> it's funny that in between the assistants, like try to draw up a game plan and then he keeps coming back in and interrupting their asses. I mean, it was great because like my coach in high school would do that. Like he, he would just go on the tirade and walk out and like, <laughs> you'd start to get, be like, all right, guys, like we need to get. It. And one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he was totally aping uh bell for sure he was aping coach bell no doubt it's totally stealing yeah. all of his gimmicks yeah he was for sure yeah. um you know and we went about 14 and 15 too so <laughs> 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 but that was probably my favorite scene uh also liked his ending press conference but mm. we can hold off on that yeah i was gonna i was gonna say ending press conference too that, that was gonna be mine i you know you kind of book in the movie with two press conferences one that's sort of him down on his luck you know losing season getting asked by the reporters what he's gonna do uh sort of alluding to the point save, shaving scandal and then at the end we get this kind of like uh, there's a movie called network that came out in the 70s where there's like a couple of big monologues that are like six minutes long and you know that this is like kind of had that vibe to me it was like just put Nick Nolte on the stage, you know, like let him just do this dialogue, ad lib a large part of it, and just kind of let let an actor act. And, you know, like you put the ball in his hands and usually magic happens. And so they just kind of like shoot him up there and he just does his thing. And it's just a really good scene uh, where I think he identifies a lot of what's wrong um, with the sport. And also, you know, his his true nature comes out, which is he can't live with himself, man. Like this is not his way he's going to coach and that he is going to say two words he never thought he'd say in his life, I quit. Uh, so I thought that was a good like, culmination of the movie as far as i'm concerned i would have liked to see it you know end like hard cut to credits like after he stops talking like in it maybe a slow push on his face and then hard cut to credits like after he gets done with his uh his speech but then we got to get the like now this is where neon is this is where you know uh mm. you know they kind of give like that but I, I like that scene a lot i thought that was really good well we didn't need him going out there and like playing with the play oh, i hated yeah. that scene yeah, dude right. I actually, I had totally knocked that out of my brain, actually, until you, like, because that's an unbelievably hokey scene, and it feels very 90s to me, like, yeah, uh, I mean, dude, like, first of all, like, like, these kids are going to be cool with this random old-ass white dude walking up on them and teaching them how to shoot a jump shot, like, has anyone ever taught you? No, sir, please teach me. (laughs) And then he immediately hits his first one, like, he's like, he immediately has perfect form and just, like, wets one right there, like a 17-footer. Uh, hey, I thought that was goofy. I'm glad you brought that up. Has Ben but, Simmons gotten in touch with uh, Pete Bell? Yeah, we need Pete uh, Bell and the Sixers uh, shooting staff. <laughs> but but that closing presser, I mean, it was epic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Straight to the credits after the I quit. That would have been great. Yeah, that would have been like a, that's. I mean, that's that's freaking. I, I bet like he probably lobbied for that, and the studio was like, "No, man, we got to flash around and show what all the kids are up to these days." Like, uh, you know, he had constant battles with studios about you know like edits and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, uh, that's a that's a great scene. Neon didn't want it. We just gave it to him. <laughs> Can you imagine if we would have given him a Ferrari? He'd have forty or fifty points. <laughs> yeah. Also, I love when he like asked the pre- the the people like the press people like how many rebounds Neon had, and they like they like don't know. Like, they're <laughs> they're like uh like thirteen. It's like dude, it's not in front of you like on the sheet. Right. But uh, I thought it was funny. Yeah that that was an epic that was an epic little speech. Yeah. Uh, all right. So who do we most quotable quote is our is our next category. So where we, where we highlight a piece of dialogue we especially liked. Um, who do you what do you like for most quotable quote, Mason? Well, there's a there's a few good ones. Uh, the one we already mentioned with Neon when he asked if, you know, would you still be trying to get me into college if I couldn't play basketball? Mm. Uh, but let me go with Levita McCray's a foul is not a foul unless they blow the whistle. 
That was going to be my, that's a good one. That's a good one. That, you know, that's a great little like multi-meaning, you know, metaphor piece of dialogue too. I thought that was good. Uh, she, she kind of reminded me of, um, the girl, uh, the woman on how to get away with murder. And, uh, she's in, uh, she, I forgot what her name is, but she's like a pretty famous African-American actor right now. It's doing a lot of good stuff. She has that like real severe authoritarian presence, but, um, and in fact, I looked up to see if that was her when she was younger, but it's not. Yeah, and, and so they're like walking out under the train tracks just outside of the projects, and she's having this conversation with Coach Bell. And uh, yeah, I mean, she just delivered it well. I thought this the setting for that quote was very good. So yeah, LaVita McCray, shout out. She, she, she's very, very good in her limited action. Yeah, I thought so too. Zach, who you got? All right, so I had a couple that I enjoyed. Uh, one comes at the very, or pretty uh, early dawn. So Pete Bell's doing his tirade. Um, after the game, after the very first game at the beginning of the movie, he comes back in, he's talking to him, he says, remember one thing, we aren't losers, we're winners to all his guys, even though they literally just lost the basketball game. Then like, he leaves the room and then flashes to him sitting with his assistant coaches and first thing he says is, we're losers. Yeah. <laughs> That's good writing right there. Great writing. So I thought that was funny. Uh, and then another one is when he's given a pregame pep talk before the Indiana game. <coughs> and he uh, talks to Ricky and he said, Ricky, he doesn't really talk. That's not his accent, but no. <laughs> you got you to gotta gargle some rocks and then you can do it. Ricky's <coughs> no, right. like, Nick Nolte. Ricky, the basket out there is the same size as the hoop at your dad's farm in Indiana. Oh, who's this like, ripoff, by the way? And he just comes yeah. in. Ricky's like, cheesy smile over here. That's funny, coach. <laughs> You know, coach, you're right. That's that's right. Yeah, uh, that's good. I, I like um, two. I like another Pete Bell quote from the beginning uh, when he's doing one of his locker room trades. And he's like, Dwayne, you can get through college half-assed. Richard, you can get through life half-assed. But I'll guarantee you boys one thing. Sure as hell, I'll guarantee you this: you cannot win half-assed. Now that that's a that's a good uh, uh, pick me up right there. You know, I'm, I was fired up. I was ready to get out there in the second half and win the game and not have a losing season. Uh, also, like Happy, the uh, sleazy booster, who's always with some ten pieces, uh, some blonde <laughs> ten pieces, like like nineties ten pieces too, which is total Baywatch ish type stuff. Uh, like is, is eventually like he's convincing Coach Bell to come to the dark side and start paying his players, uh, and he says, "I screw a hell of a lot better when we're winning, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> I believe you also had a you got horses, but what you need are thoroughbreds. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was the that AD. Was, oh yeah. Um, yeah, some good quotes in this movie. Yeah, they had some zippy dialogue, and and uh, there wasn't anybody that was just so terrible or anything that kind of took you out of the movie. Uh, was there any like you know stuff that you just couldn't stand? Just stuff you hated about? It? Just some nitpicks? No, but uh, none of us showed love to the final speech to the team. What did y'all think about that? I, you know, I, I I don't feel like it was super memorable. Yeah, uh, I can't even remember. Yeah. What yeah, it kind of got eclipsed by his presser, well, I think. You yeah, know? he he goes in and he says like there are ru- I don't agree with the rules. There are rules. Some of us broke the rules. I'll be talking to each one of you about what uh, your place in this program is tomorrow. Which ironically he won't be because he's about to go quit. So right, that isn't true at all. And, and then he just leaves. I feel like it was like a. I kind of felt bad for the players. You know, they just won this huge game. Yeah, they're yeah. happy in the locker room, and then he kind of abandons them. And says like I can't do this. I'm I'm out of here. Like and like I feel like he, he didn't give a good you know for what the kind of guy he was, which is like a player's coach. They didn't give him a good send off with his kids. You know. Then yeah. like Neon comes out and they have that jokey 
exchange, but it's like you're right. About to and, go to back to Louisiana, dude. Yeah, like your I don't time know, in right? LA is over. I could have used so I could have used a more heartfelt couple sentences with his team that show that he's not just like leaving them high and dry. Yeah, I mean, he just leaves them exactly high and dry because yeah. of his actions, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. No one made him do it. Hey, it's not, nothing's changed. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I love it in the oral history of Penny Hardaway. Like there was multiple times. This oral history came out in 2019. Uh, so he's cur- he was currently the coach of Memphis when he was giving this um, his comments on the movie, uh, and so they kept putting the bracket like Penny Hardaway currently coach of University of Memphis, uh, and they, he's essentially like asked like something about the reality of the you know the the coaching and like this cheating and stuff, and Penny basically did the equivalent of like I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> he was like, nice. I mean, if it works that way, then I don't know, but and I, I just I love that. It's like that's our coach, man. But then he I, went on to say, I guess Blue Chips had it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just not at Memphis. Memphis, we do it clean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just not my program. Yeah, exactly. Uh, rewatchability. So which which one of these four options is this movie, Blue Chips? Is this a buy on Blu-ray, a rent on iTunes or YouTube, Mason? Uh, a happen to catch on HBO or Stars if it's on? Or eh, I'm probably never going to watch this shit again after this podcast. <laughs> which one is it for you, Mason? I'm probably not going to watch it again. <laughs> okay. maybe, maybe when I have a, a kid or something yeah. and it happens to be on HBO or Stars, as you said, possibly. But I won't be seeking out this movie to watch again. Yeah. I think for I could I could see myself watching it again in like five to eight years, like renting it on iTunes yeah. and watching it again. I, I like, think it, it almost has more life if Penny becomes successful. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he's already been as successful as he could have been. But I mean, if he starts, you know, going to, Sweet 16's Elite Eight's Final Fours, and I think then it kind of has like a longer shelf life. Like after the Tigers win a national championship and we have a Penny Hardaway day and like this is shown on the bluff or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I watched That it. wasn't one of the options, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as far as I'm concerned, us winning an Addy is always an option. Uh, I, I, bought, I bought this movie because it was $10 on um, iTunes, and it was like rent for four or buy for 10. They got mass. Uh, so <laughs> because I just like buy movies, like supporting, you know, like uh, the, the art of cinema. But like I was like, oh, like I, I bet I'm going to like this movie a lot. And then I bought it and it's like only OK. So now I randomly have this movie. But hell, I can watch it, it anytime. So you're going to watch it again? I did before we did this. Uh, and in fact, it was playing behind me for a little while. Well, uh, that doesn't count, man. That's cheating. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, I watched it twice. Out. I watched it twice in like three days. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that's enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i give her about five years like zach said and then maybe revisit it uh, and see if it's taken on any more meaning after bill self is now is coach of some juco team uh somewhere at that point yeah that's probably when i'll watch it again before the uh, sequel comes out <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so we at the bar need to get to work writing blue chips too uh and 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 see what we could we need to workshop that and just we really create a, a character Main University. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Oh, unless we got any parting thoughts, this has been another episode of In the Can. It was a pleasure having you guys and doing our first live show, uh, talking a movie that, you know, it's a it's a sports movie. It may not be the best, but it has our coach in it, and it's about a, a topic which we hold near and dear, and that is blue chips. Uh, so I guess we'll get out of here. See you. Later.